Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning, Real Presence Radio World. This is Father Richard Kunst coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota, Stella Maris Academy, St. James Campus. And my co-host this morning is the late, great Kevin Pilon. Kevin, welcome back. Thank you so much, Father Richard. And happy St. Valentine's Day it's to you. St. Cyril and Methodius Day. And we're and, and Kevin is back taking a, um, a Cindy's place for a month. And before we get going, Kevin, I'm going to do a little prayer, okay? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, be with us this morning. We pray in a particular way that you send your spirit upon our guests and mostly our listeners. We ask this through Christ our Lord, amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Kevin, what have you been doing since the last time I saw you? Oh, it's been a while, you know, raising four children. Yeah, that'll do it. And uh, this winter, you'll appreciate that we, you know, our kids are, are playing outdoor hockey in Duluth, well, okay. of course. Okay, are they in an actual league or on yeah, a team? In a league. Duluth is the last place in Minnesota with outdoor youth hockey really? leagues. Yeah. Really? Well, yeah. I, I played that all my years growing up. I know, yeah. I think I, I saw some remnants of you at one of the the rinks. I think somebody checked you pretty hard into the boards. Yeah, there might be some blood on some yeah. of those rinks. That but, uh, was my heights. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I played all those rinks. Yeah, oh, lots of lots of good memories. Be careful, though. I love hockey, but I call it the sport of the devil because it takes every aspect of our lives up as family. Yeah, we're not going to do that. Good, good. That is yeah. a good thing. That's very smart. <laughs> well, it's good to have you, Kevin, and uh, and thanks for joining us. And welcome again, Real Presence Radio World. Our uh, first, we're going to get right into our first guest. So our first guest is Kevin O'Neill. Kevin, uh, we heard before he went on the air, is from Northern Illinois. Kevin, why don't you go ahead and start off by telling just a little bit about yourself and how bad the sure. gas prices really are in Northern uh, Illinois. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Well, fortunately, as I mentioned, I can see good gas prices from my house. So uh, <laughs> I'm able to uh, drive just a few minutes to Wisconsin and get them. But uh yeah, my, my wife and I, we have nine children. We live uh, in northern Illinois, and uh, fortunately, it seems like we're, we're uh, welcoming an early spring here, so we're excited about that. We're tapping uh, the maple trees right now and, wow. and starting to uh, boil some syrup, so that's kind of exciting. That is exciting. That's, you're like a month and a half ahead of us, it seems like, because we're still in the dead of winter in Duluth. Right. Yeah, you guys are still, uh, you know, ice fishing, and, and uh, we're usually, we're about a month ahead of where we should be right now, too, so we're, we'll take it. So, Kevin, what diocese are you guys in, Chicago? We are right on the edge of the Rockford Diocese and Chicago Diocese, and so the parish we attend is actually part of the uh, Chicago Diocese. Okay, all right. So you and your better half, also known as Mary, have written a book, right, just recently? We- we have. We've written uh, a few books, and so the second oh. book in our series just came out, and the first book is called uh, The Catechism of the Seven Sacraments. It's a book, and all of our books are all uh, laid out using uh, Lego scenes that we build, take pictures of, and put in the book to really teach children and families a typology. And then our new book that is, has just been released is called The Holy Mass on Earth as it is in Heaven. Okay, now Kevin, oh, I'm sorry, Kevin, but I'm inter- going to say, uh, Kevin, weren't you my guest last month? 
I think so. Yeah, this is Father Rich yeah. up in Duluth. I even emailed you through your website, and I haven't heard back from you. So, you know, I just <laughs> I'm just not to give you any uh, bad guff on your uh, yeah, the first or two questions here. <laughs> so I offered I offered to have a beer with you. I don't know if you remember that. I, I'm ready to come up there when it thaws out. Oh, okay, all right, okay. And <laughs> and uh, yeah, my wife. Uh, you know, I'm I'm so hands off. I'm talking to you right now on a flip phone. That's uh, oh boy. So I will ask my wife why we uh, hadn't responded. I apologize. Well, we ordered your books too. Just FYI. So I was really excited well, after the last interview. I got super excited, and now Kevin, my guest, is my my co-host is excited now. Yeah, and I'm very curious about the the concept of building Lego diorama scenes for your books. Now, is this you building them, or do you have uh, children of yours that are the experts in that department? Yeah, I'm the least talented when it comes to the builds. And so I have uh, my 16-year-old son is extremely talented. My wife is very meticulous. And I just kind of am the, uh, the one that is the ideas guy, you know, hey, we're doing this scene. This is maybe a little bit more what it looks like. What can we do to bring this to life? And so that's, uh, that's kind of the dynamic. And then the, the little ones that are, are closest to the floor, they help pick up the Legos. Yeah, pick them up right into their mouths. That's, that's a beautiful thing. What does, your, <laughs> what does your Lego setup look like at home? Do you have just bin after bin of color-coordinated Legos? I imagine a whole wall of Legos in my mind. We have we have a couple bins that still need sorted, but overall we keep yep we have the colored Legos we have the trays going up the ones with people um, I mean we kind of look like a uh, a warehouse that an electrician would have where you've got the little drawers to pull out here are the flames here's this uh, just the other day even we went to you know we're always shopping online we mm-hmm. had a nice score so for fifty bucks we picked up a um, a Lego set, which is the Taj Mahal. It's a huge Lego build. Oh, and next level. Yep, yeah, we bring those home, and then we uh, we destroy them. They join the bin. So, okay, so now, Kevin, so now, like, uh, my co-host, Kevin, is younger, than, much younger than me, so he's excited about the Legos. I'm excited about <laughs> the type, the idea of how you use types and what types are in the Old Testament versus New Testament, and that's what got me all excited last time I interviewed you. And I just want you to talk a little bit more about that uh, for the listeners. And what is a type, exactly? I'm excited about that, too, by the you way. You like the Legos, yeah. and you know it. <laughs> yeah, it's the one-two punch, right? And so what we do is we very systematically teach the faith. And so I know uh, last time when, when I was on, uh, I'll make sure to, to bring in other different typologies than what we spoke about last time. But one thing I do always start with, and we start with this in both books, and um, really, typology is just uh, the new fulfilling the old. And so it really reveals the purpose of the Old Testament, because Catholicism is really the, the flower on the stem of Judaism. And so it doesn't go around, it doesn't do any good to go around and just hand out stems. You need the flower. And that's the beauty of our faith. And so we really show the presentation of the stem and the flower. And so we start with. In, in our books, showing how sin comes into the world the same way sin leaves the world. And so we show sin came into the world, God walks with man, we see him in a garden, the Garden of Eden, a man and a woman, Adam and Eve, at a tree, they take the fruit from the tree, they eat it, and sin and death enter in. Well, imagine then six Lego scenes next to it, and we show then how sin leaves the world, because it leaves the world the same way. 
Jesus, who is God, walks with man. We see him in a garden, the Garden of, of Gethsemane. And we see a man and a woman, our Lord and our Lady, at a tree, the cross. But this time the fruit is put back on the tree. And that's scriptural. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And we have to eat from the fruit of that tree, which is the Eucharist, taken from the tree of life, so that sin and death can leave the world. And then we take it even a little further with just a couple more complimentary pictures and show how when they were kicked out of Eden, an angel was stationed in the east with a fiery sword drawn so that they couldn't re-enter. Well, then in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see a sword again, but this time it's sheathed. And when, when Christ says, Peter, sheath your sword. And so you, you have in one garden, a sword is drawn. In the next garden, the sword is sheathed. And then when they were kicked out of, out of Eden, the ground was cursed with thorns. And when our blessed Savior left the Garden of Gethsemane, he took our curse and crowned himself with it. And so that's kind of the way we start everything. So the kids really understand uh, the Eucharist, the covenant, and its relationship. Now, Kev, what kind of feedback were you getting as you were putting this together and, and you know, putting the order of this book together before it went to publish? You know, who did you seek out to make sure that the cohesion was there, the ideas were solid, the, the photos were solid, the, you know, the scenes that your kids were making up, all of that? Who do you look to? Well, first off, uh, I knew that everything we had was was acceptable because it's all plagiarized. Uh, it's all stolen from the early church fathers and straight from the church. And then, uh, with that being, with that being said, we make sure to get the imprimatur uh, by canon law. Our book is is required to have the the imprimatur. And so, even though a lot of people like to just push books through. Uh, my family and I, we, we are very obedient to the Church. We think that blessings flow from obedience. And so we waited, and uh, we were blessed with getting the imprimatur. And so uh, here we are. As far as pictures, uh, we, you know, we read the scene. We go and look at Catholic art. We did, so we have a lot of plugins uh, that we go to before we build the scenes. Now, Father Rich, uh, I know that I'm often looking at the beginning of a book for the imprimatur. Can you tell our listeners who may not be aware of what that significance is for at the beginning of a Catholic book? Are you book, asking me or are you asking I'm asking, asking you, Father Rich. Oh, basically an imprimatur is, in, uh, in essence, an authority within the Church that says anything in this book, nothing in this book is contrary to the teachings of the Church, contrary to the faith. So an imprimatur, as our, as our guest Kevin O'Neill just said, is a pretty important part of any type of theological work, any type of religious book that is Catholic that you want to be assured that it's faithful to Mother Church and its teachings. Yeah, very good. So now, Kevin, your um, your book is now on the introduction of the Rosary. Why don't you talk a little bit about that that book in particular? Yeah, what the nice thing about that it's a it's a nice little booklet. We call it a pocket guide, but it's a little bit bigger. It's a lot bigger than your pocket. Uh, but it is a it's just a very welcoming way for your child to go ahead and enter into the prayers of the rosary uh, as you pray as a, as a family at home. We have all of the, uh, the, the mysteries of the rosary there, and then, of course, just different scenes inside of there that we have built uh, for the decades so that the child can go ahead and take a look at it to read the prayers if they haven't completely memorized them yet. Or, even if your child doesn't know how to read, these images are very striking and they enjoy to participate, uh, and so that—that's really what it is. Is it's a—it's a great way to welcome them in to the family rosary, 
uh, it's, a, it's a great little gift if anybody's looking for a cheap RE handout where they can go ahead and, and uh, uh, pass these out and pray with their, their class or put them out, pray the rosary, and, and gather your books at the end of the day so you can use them again. Now, are these are these books, I mean, Legos, you think of children, but I know a lot of adults get into Legos as well. So are you gearing it mostly towards kids, or do you want I to see it for this, adults too? This specific one is definitely geared towards children. There's no uh, typology in there. It's a very simple uh, How to Pray the Rosary booklet. And that is what's really nice about it is it's just it's perfect for, for children, and it's perfect, I think, as parents to be able to hand out uh, and and just be able to maybe pray the rosary a little bit more smoothly. Kids need a distraction during the rosary. This uh, gives them that distraction that enters them into the mystery, and so that's part of the fun of it. And, Kevin, I would assume that as you were coming up with this book in particular, you and your wife were thinking about your own children and what you could use to help them. I imagine it's an you look inward first, and then you're producing something that's going outwards towards the wider church. Is that a fair assessment? That's exactly. Uh, yeah, that's first and foremost. Us as parents, we are uh, we're a homeschooling family, and so as a result, you know, we're always looking for great resources to teach the children. And unfortunately, there's not a lot out there to teach children typology, and typology is really uh, the best way to teach to the long-term memory of a, of a child. And so just because something is profound doesn't mean it's complicated, and we go ahead and do that through these resources. No, it's great. I think that you guys are really doing a, a great service, especially when you talk about home, the whole homeschooling uh, um, uh, community, which is, I think, growing because of everything that's going on in our, in our public school. So you guys are doing a great resource, and hopefully you can get these out to the homeschoolers and everybody, uh, you know, in short order. And so when we come back from the break, Kevin, I'm going to ask you just a little bit about how people can find out more about your books and what um, uh, what website they can do to, to find it. So we'll uh, be talking with Kevin O'Neill a little bit more right after this very brief break. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Radio is available on Alexa-enabled devices, including Amazon Echo, phones, tablets, and smart displays. To enable the skill, just say, Alexa, enable Real Presence Radio. To listen, say something like, Alexa, open Real Presence Radio. It will then ask what station you want to play. To which you can respond, play Sioux Falls, or play AM970, or play WWEN. From there, you can use commands like play, pause, and stop. Listen to RPR anytime, anywhere, on Alexa-enabled devices. For centuries, healthcare has been central to the healing ministry of the church. Today's technologies offer exciting possibilities, but also serious moral questions. More than ever, we need healthcare leaders who serve with integrity and conviction. The University of Mary answers the call to prepare leaders anchored in moral courage in a breathtaking range of programs from bioethics to nursing. Visit catholicprofessional.life.
is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. In Matthew 19, we learn about a servant whose master had just forgiven his debts. Although the servant is grateful for his master's mercy, he is unable to show the same kind of mercy towards his own debtor, even though they owed him an amount that was much smaller. His master moved with compassion for his servant, who never in a thousand years could have repaid his huge debt, forgives all. What life-changing mercy, yet how much more mercy was shown the day Jesus came to the world to set us free from the bondage of sin and death. Through this parable of the forgiven servant, Jesus makes his point crystal clear. Forgive your enemies, family, and friends, because in the measure that we forgive and show mercy, so forgiveness and mercy will be shown us. Jesus has shown us unfathomable mercy. Who in your life needs a little mercy today? Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace, power, purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. This is Father Richard Kuntz along with my guest co-host, Kevin Pilon. We're coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth. We're talking to Kevin O'Neill about his most recent book, The Introduction of the Rosary, using Legos, at least Lego blocks. And we're also uh, talking to uh, uh, Kevin about typology. And we talked a little bit about typology before we went on the break, but why don't you maybe flush out what the idea of typology is for the people uh, again, Kevin? Yeah, it's it's really an assurance through Scripture that shows us that the Old Testament is being fulfilled. And so all throughout Scripture, God really does. He calls his shots. Uh, for example, when Eve was brought forth from the site of Adam, that was on Friday in the creation story. And it was on Good Friday when the church was brought forth from the site of Christ when he was speared. Uh, and it was on Saturday in the creation story when God rested. And it was on Holy Saturday when our blessed Savior was resting in the tomb. And so he does these things to call his shots. And we just take these dots that have always been there, and we put them right next to each other so that children can really engage in a Bible study without knowing it. So maybe a, a layman's uh, definition of typology, Kevin, would be showing how things that happen in the Old Testament directly point to God fulfilling the promise of his covenant in the New Testament. Spot on, exactly. Okay, fantastic. And um, uh, tell us a little bit about um, the typology where, uh, of the Eucharist. You know, you you had a, a previous book that focused a lot on this, and, and I'm very curious about, uh, you know, you, you know about the Exodus and about the lamb being slain, but is there anything that you pulled out of the Old Testament or the early church fathers that was surprising to you in pulling together your dots for our you know, understanding of Jesus in the Eucharist? Yeah, you know, and this is really one of my only uh, original thoughts in our first book, but we go, you know, St. Ignatius calls the Eucharist the medicine of immortality, and so that we can live forever in Christ Jesus. And so we go into a little bit of an analogy, and we show how, you know, if you're bitten by a venomous serpent, as we were bitten by the venom of sin from the serpent in the Garden of Eden, but if you're bitten by a venomous serpent, you now need an anti-venom. And anti-venom is made from the same venom that is destroying you 
but it's transformed and given to you medicinally so that you can go ahead and overcome that venom. And that's what Christ did for us. He took our venom, our sin, died to destroy it, resurrects again, and gives us the Eucharist, the medicine of immortality, so that we can live forever and become participants of the resurrection. And just, and, just to, and just to clarify, Kevin, just an important point is that the Ignatius you talk about is Ignatius of Antioch. So that is not Ignatius of Loyola. Ignatius of Antioch, the reason why I point that out, who said the Eucharist is a medicine of immortality is because he's so early on, just in the second century. So, yeah, so the, the St. Ignatius learned from St. John. Yeah, exactly. So we're and talking about the Eucharistic theology has been with us since the very beginning of church. Right. And it's rumored that it was St. Ignatius who sat as a little child on the very lap of our Savior. You know, and so it's so neat how uh, our tradition brings this to us. We we certainly know the verified points of it, but it's, it's amazing how a lot of these other stories we find out to really be true. We connect those dots and it's, it's such a, uh, it's such an amazing religion that we have. Your, your typology on baptism, I want to speak a little bit to that. Yeah, and so we start, of course, with the Eucharist, because everything flows from and back to the Eucharist. And so without the Eucharist being able to uh, have this journey, baptism really makes no sense, but with it, it does. And so uh, it's, I'll, I'll even make a little apologetic uh, fun here with the stuff that we have in our book. I was talking to a, a, a good friend of mine who's Protestant, and he believes baptism is a symbol. And I said to him, baptism is absolutely not a symbol. And, and I took him through this little road, and I said, you know, look here. In First in Peter chapter 3, it says, baptism now saves you. And I, I asked him, I said, can a symbol save you? And he said, well, well, no. And I said, did my wedding ring marry me? He said, well, no. And I said, that's right. My, my ring is a symbol. It is a symbol of my marriage. I said, however, it says right here that this goes on then through the remission of sins. I said, can a symbol get rid of sin? And he agreed that a symbol can't get rid of sin. And then we went to the book of Acts. And oddly enough, in the book of Acts, guess what it says? It says, offers baptism for your family for the forgiveness of sins. And then we went to Nicodemus when Christ spoke to Nicodemus. And he says, unless you're born again of the water and the Spirit, you have no life in you. And, and what's interesting about that, and then he re-ups it, says it again, but the very next paragraph is the only time in all of Scripture, and guess what Christ and his disciples went up and did? They baptized. And so when you look, baptism, this water and Spirit, when we see this new creation that Christ is talking about that comes through water and Spirit, it's prefigured in the Old Testament. In the creation story, the earth was all water. The spirit hovered above it, and then the ground was called out of it. Water, spirit, new creation. That's not a symbol. That's a reality. And then you have the flood of Noah. All this water, and then he releases the dove, which is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, and they're born again, a new family, to populate the earth. And we don't see that dove, the spirit, in the form of a dove again, until the baptism of our Lord. But then you have Moses and the escape from Egypt, the escape from slavery and bondage. And where do they escape? Through the Red Sea. 
and the pillar of fire. And we see the, the water, the spirit, and they're born again a new nation through the water and the spirit. And that's another reality. And so all of these realities now don't point to a symbol. That's going backwards. They point to a reality greater than themselves even, greater than passing through the Red Sea, and that is being able to conquer sin, which binds us to eternity in hell. And that is now conquered. And so, I mean, think of 60 years in Egypt versus eternity in hell. Which one is the greater one to pass through? It's the waters of baptism. And so then I, I closed with them and I said, do you ever think maybe, just maybe, the reason you can't say that baptism saves you, even though the Bible says baptism saves you, is because the second you do, you now know you're no longer justified by faith alone, but by faith and a work, not a work of man, but a work that God put before man to participate in his creation. And so this is some of the fun that we have in our book, and we show, really, our journey is no different than the escape from, from Egypt. We're born again through the waters of baptism. We are led by the Ark and the Covenant. We follow the priesthood. We are sustained by the manna, and it's all to get to the promised land. So, so Kevin, the um, uh, the last well, yesterday. I mean, today, tomorrow, and the next day, the the readings at Mass are on the Noah's Ark story, which is like probably the greatest typology when it comes to baptism in the uh, in the scriptures. And I talked about this morning at my weekday mass how how not baptizing your children because I've got so many nieces and nephews that haven't baptized their kids uh, is is a, is a form of child abuse. It's 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 spiritual child abuse. Can you do you want to address? That? I know it's a little bit off topic, but since we're talking about no, baptism, no, I think I, I think you're a hundred percent correct. I mean, when we look at the, um, the the corporal works of mercy and the spiritual works of mercy. The Church, for that very reason, puts the spiritual works of mercy above the corporal. And so, if we are not rightly ordered and understanding the spiritual, then the natural falls apart. I think G.K. Chesterton said it best. Uh, he said, when we, when we uh, lose the supernatural, nothing is natural anymore. The um, it seems to be a trend, Kevin, of um, kind of this downward uh, acceptance of baptism as being necessary um, for salvation. Do you think that is just you know a, a very um, small window into where we find ourselves right now, or has this always kind of been the case throughout uh, church history? Well, when we're when you're. I think I understand the question. We are seeing a post-Christian world, and what's very interesting about that is in a post-Christian world, there are less baptisms. And everybody talks about moving forward, but what's so funny is everybody is all tattooed, piercings that stretch the ears now, and they're telling us to move forward. Meanwhile, they are looking more and more like the population we, we knew as the Aztecs, that we knew as the Vikings. And what's part of their, their religion? Human sacrifice. And it's so sad to see. And so, yes, we need to get back to that supernatural. And like Chesterton said, if we don't have the supernatural, nothing is natural. That is unnatural. And so we need to see this. And, and uh, unfortunately, I think it's, it's going to take a while for the culture to see uh, 
that swing, but, uh, you know, the, the good old atheist argument, the old atheist argument, can I be good without God? They're losing that one. Mm, indeed. And, um, you know, your latest title, your pocket guide to the history of the rosary, can you tell us a little bit about where uh, folks who are interested in this topic in particular and your other publications can find them, where they can go? And um, if they're gonna, if they're only going to pick one of the three that you've mentioned today, where would you have them start? Well, if uh, so, I would say uh, anybody can go to our website at uh, uponthisblock.com. Uh, Sophia Institute Press carries the book Holy Heroes. Whoever your uh, favorite books, support your local Catholic bookstore too. Uh, but if you were to start with one of our books, I would say the Catechism of the Seven Sacraments, and then the Mass. Uh, and it, it is not a history on the on the Rosary. I just want to clear that up. It, it is just really a pocket guide for the for the Rosary. But we also have a wonderful pocket guide on uh, the, uh, the Sacrament of Confession, and a new one coming out as well on the uh, Stations of the Cross. That all sounds great. Uh, just one, uh, just for the last 15 seconds, why don't you set that website again and maybe spell it out, Kevin? Sure. Uponthisblock.com. U-P-O-N-T-H-I-S-B-L-O-C-K.com. And if you email us, we promise to return your email. <laughs> great. Okay. I, I, I emailed you, and so I'm expecting it. Kevin. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, uh, we've been talking to Kevin O'Neill about his, his wonderful books in regards to the, the faith, the introduction of the faith in the, by using uh, Lego blocks and typology. And so make sure you check out his books and his website. Uh, uh, thank you very much, Kevin, uh, for being on the air with us again. Thank you, Father, and I look forward to speaking with you soon. Take care. S- sounds great. God bless. All right, after, God bless this, you. after this break, we'll be um, uh, talking to Father Jordan Dosh in regards to vocations right after this brief break. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 